Beers and Tears would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land from which we conduct this podcast, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their continued connection to the land and waterways and sky of this beautiful place, and we pay our respects to Elders past and present, and extend that respect to all First Nations people present today, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Hello everyone, welcome back to Beers and Tears. Today I'm joined with Ernest Ains. Hello, how Hello. are you? <laughs> I'm very well, I'm very well, thanks for having me. No worries. We will begin by who who is Ernest Ains? Describe like the music that you make under this project. Sure, sure. Um, so Ernest Ains is, um, it's really just me. I don't really know how else to... <laughs> explain it um but uh, it's oh oh, so sorry oh my god (laughs) wait this is um this is classic you can't show it's quite nice edit this out is this your ringtone this is my (laughs) flip phone that i use (laughs) (laughs) but is it a ringtone that's a ringtone that's really peaceful yeah it sounds like a japanese anime uh the end of a, a movie anyway that's okay ernest ains is me yes uh, I am Ernest Ains. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I I think, um, you know, not to start on too deep a, a, a tone. You can start on a deep tone if you like. Oh, yeah? We, I mean, okay. we've been in a pretty deep tone for about an hour now. And yeah. We've only just hit record, <laughs> so we can follow along with this. We this have mode. a full double album we could have put out. Totally. Uh, of podcasts by now. Um but yeah, I think um, Ernest Ains is just someone who wants to speak truthfully uh, about complex emotions, and I know a lot of songwriters do that. But I think um, part of my thing is music that people can really relate to, um, that help helps heal, hopefully, um, and sort of uh, touches on some pretty rare spaces in their emotional state. For example, um, so I I think that um, to get into this sort of semantics of of language and lyricism, Mm. um, there's very uh, subtle things in lyrics of songs that can help sort of dig past certain parts of people's... um, sort of defensive shell, um, like emotional shell. And uh, we're getting very deep very quickly. No, no, I'm, I'm here for but it. I, um, but, yeah, I think um, when you listen to songs like Yesterday by the Beatles, you know, by Paul McCartney or um, songs that kind of have, uh, you know, like maybe that hurt by... Um, Nine Inch Nails that mm. that Johnny Cash covered. Sometimes it's not even about the lyrics; it's about the way it's um, put forward. Totally okay, yeah. And and so I really uh, my biggest things is trying to connect with the music mm. as much as possible. So you there's a more um, more transferable message of the music. Yeah. Anyway, cool. no, no, that's we've just been talking about ego, so I don't. Yeah, feel, yeah, yeah. I, I sometimes feel obnoxious talking like this. Why? No, I get. That's just. This is what I was. This is what I'm saying, though. That's like how you feel. Like you know what I mean? It's not. It's not no. outside of you. Of like, yeah. that's actually how you feel. I think. I don't. Yeah, know, absolutely. No, absolutely, absolutely. It's- and I shouldn't. I shouldn't beat myself up for for being honest. And and I think that's exactly. um, that's a part of what uh, Ernest Ains <laughs> is about is speaking honestly and trying to put aside 
what um, my my judgmental blockage is of that. So, yeah. Anyway. Have you, like, in the beginning of, like, your music career, would you say, or, like, your music making or writing or whatever you want to call it, would you say that you had that, like, kind of judgmental blockage in the beginning? Or have you, or was, like, about, the whole... About my music? Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that um, I've often felt... Uh, in songwriting, oh, that's too simple, or that's that's too um, that there's not enough complexity to what you're saying, mm. um, and so that's been something I think early in my songwriting career, and still to to this day, it's very difficult to um, put that aside and, and go. Well, actually, that's exactly how I feel, um, and I don't care if it sounds simple. People are going to a certain portion of people out there are going to under- understand it. Yeah. And um and to be overly complex for no reason is is something that that's that's the judgment, you know, during the songwriting process is okay, are, are you just trying to f- sound intelligent now? Yeah. Are you just trying to sound intelligent or is that truly how you feel? And I think like when you write quote unquote simple lyrics and simple songs, uh you know, if that's exactly how you feel, leave it, mm. like do that. But sometimes you do have very complex emotions that come out with complex lyricism as well. Yeah. So that, but that is a natural flow process. Totally. Um, it's not from you going, oh, you should try to make it sound a bit yeah. deeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And know? I think that's like um, something that you can really tell in people's music and it's just like a different way of receiving music in my like opinion like when I hear a song and it's just like point blank very simple that can be also very powerful in like this is exactly how this person was thinking and feeling and like you can feel that when you're listening to the song of like this what I can't I'm not gonna give an example but (laughs) like you know what I mean like it's just very to the point but then there's just a different way of like receiving that music when it's a little bit more complicated and you actually have to like go into that thinking about what this person was writing. Yeah. It's yeah. just a bit yeah. Well, I mean, there's um you know, like across the universe or something. Mm. There's there's a lot of lyrics that are very metaphorical that like don't make sense in the moment that you're listening to them uh on a cognitive level. Like because you can't just immediately um, translate the lyrics. But there's a feeling it makes you feel. And it's yeah. like the whole thing of seeing certain colours makes you feel. Yellow might make you feel calm. And, like, you know, bright white might make you feel stimulated and quite awake. And um, darker colours make you feel, you know, like a bit moodier. Mm. Things like that. It's um, it's part of the auditory... Um, like sort of matrix of, you know, emotion and just the way that you, yeah, the way that like certain big swashes of, of color and stuff will will change how you feel or like resonate with you. So, yeah, you don't always have to be literal <laughs> yeah. about um, what you're saying to make people feel the way you feel. Yeah. Yeah. And like Mozart and all them didn't even have lyrics. It was just all the feeling of the modalities of music. Yeah. Yeah. But And, like, it's also one of those things of, like, you're putting out a song with how you feel and someone might completely feel a different way about that song. Yeah, that's true. You know? So, yeah. there's, like, that whole other level of, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I'm putting this out there and someone might not receive it exactly how I want. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I think that I think that's great. Um, I like there being uh, open um, translations of these things, uh, and I think that's often because of the tone of the music and the lyrics can sometimes be deceptive. Like you know, every step you take is the biggest one that comes to mind. Mm. For example, of you know, every step you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you, and it's not obvious it's about uh you know someone trailing you and stalking you but that's yeah. what the intention was and because it's a very happy beautiful song yeah. sounding 
you know? Totally. So, some people, some people could have heard that and been like, oh, that's I actually don't like that. Yeah, it's pretty uh, creepy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I bet as soon as you sort of hear the, the original um, meaning of it, your, your mind is always going to see it differently. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it's good. I, I like, I like leaving some, some mystery and, and writing songs that might be about one thing and, and having a bit different backdrop, um, and, and stuff like, I think that's really creative. It's really, yeah. it's, it's what, um, art, like a great thing about art. Totally. Yeah. In like when you're playing your songs, for example, like at a live show, are you one to like disclose, like, this is what this song is about? I, I think I do. I think I do give context um, a lot of the time. And that's because I I do write uh, stories. Yeah. I do write stories. And I, as much as I like the whole leaving it up to people's uh, interpretation, I think um, there's a part of being a storyteller on stage uh, that- I do like to tell a story For and sure. where it came from. It just, it, I, I kind of like putting the listener in more of an engaged state. Yes. Um, and going, oh, okay, this is kind of what it's about. And being able to follow the lyrics from the first, from the outset. Totally, yeah. I'm um, all for that. I think yeah. that's like, per- it, like personally, that's something that I've always connected with going mm. into a live show when someone, because it's also, it's like, it creates a connection between audience and artist when you're like actually telling these people this is where this has come from like yeah. this is like my personal experience or like might not be a personal experience it might just be like this is what this song is about this is a story yeah. yeah and it's just like well for me like as an audience member I'm like wow that's really nice that they've shared that with me and I also think that who's to say that I can't just take this away and interpret it in a different way still yeah you know, that's like true. you still yeah, can, yeah. and I understand that it like puts that, like you were saying, that like a little bit take. of a context. Uh, yeah, like yeah. you're kind of just like gonna always think that that's what this song actually is about. Yeah, but people can interpret things all the time, in different and people ways. still have that at weddings, even though they know they know you know what it's about. Some people don't, I guess. But another thing, um, so I was at a at a um, art exhibition at the NGV once, mm-hmm. and this is about sort of context and stuff. So, me and a friend went through this whole exhibit exhibition, and we didn't really get it. We yeah. didn't really get it. It was these big uh, sort of walls of of uh, paper, and people. Uh, uh, someone had uh, sort of looked like they just dabbed faint uh, pictures of of like flowers on it. Okay, and. Um, we're like, okay, it's a massive scale and, yeah, there's these faint sort of flowers <laughs> on it. Like, okay, you know. Yeah. We didn't really – we weren't awestruck by it. And then um, we went to the end of the exhibition and they had a video of how they made them. And they put these firecrackers, like, of different colours underneath these huge layers of paper and they, like, lit the crackers and this huge explosion in this incredibly – oversized warehouse happened which made all of the pictures and we we moonwalked back through the whole thing we just did the whole thing again yeah. exhibition again and we were with a different context and it made us appreciate it yeah um so that's true yeah it's like you know it depends on what style of art you do and there's so many factors and it's also like one of those things like of like we we're talking about van gogh earlier did you go? Have you been to the Van Gogh exhibition? I didn't go to the one uh, with the projections. Yeah, was it that one? Yeah, I went to the one before that. Oh, which I don't was know. Was just the paintings of. Yeah, I didn't go to that. The projections projection one. one. Yeah, well, Imaginarium was it? Was it no, I was. Um, um <laughs> muse. <laughs> Starry. Starry. Starry room. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> um, but I like didn't know much about Van Gogh prior to going to that um it also helped that i went with my friend who was like super into it and like knows everything about him but you have a different appreciation of like he had this life of like mental like he went crazy yeah essentially and like you kind of like learn this story about where this person was at when creating this art and it gives you like a different view on 
the actual art. Like you look at something and you're just like, okay, yeah. I don't know, but I, this is also because like we aren't really like art appreciators, I guess. <laughs> I'm, I don't know about you. I'm not like, I appreciate art, but I'm not yeah. like, I can't, I don't get it. Like I don't really fully understand like, wow, this, like I can love a piece of art and I think it's great, but an artist would be, there's a whole lot more to it than yeah. what I'm get what I'm getting for it, from it. Well, it's like, I think it's like anything. There's connoisseurs of, you know, like yeah, pencils. True. That is true. That is true. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. The pe- pencils, like, what's the fascination? But I think it's knowing everything about it. Can yeah. Help. I think it's like, I don't um, know. Because, like, I went to the Louvre mm-hmm. and I just kind of didn't really care. <laughs> like, in this really, like, I felt horrible about it because. But this is very honest. That's yeah, very honest. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people would be like, went to the Louvre, it was the best. Well, and it was they might great. have exactly the same experience as you did. Totally. <laughs> it was great. It was like really cool. And like these are very, very, very old pieces of art. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, I can't believe someone's actually cre- like, this is beautiful. Like, yeah. I could never ever create something like this. Yeah. I appreciate it. But it's just like, I don't get the, I don't get it. Like, people spend days on them. I spent an hour there and I was done. Like, yeah. I was like, Mona Lisa, fuck yeah. <laughs> this is really cool. It's pretty small. But I my was, legs are tired. Yeah. I need to go. Like, and, like, I went with, like, my friend's <laughs> French uncle. And he was just, he's an artist mm-hmm. as well. He was fucking looking at every painting mm. for so long. And I was like, I don't know. What are you looking at exactly? Like, mm. I get it maybe because it's just like, oh, I wonder what this flick of the flick, what what the colours they've used. I get that because he's an artist. Yeah. Brushwork and all that. Yes. Yeah. But I do not understand the hours on end of like just staring at paintings. They were beautiful. Mm. But it's just weird to me. I don't really know where I was going with this. No, no, story. no. I, I think I think um, I know why it came up, and it's like it, we were talking about like just appreciating things for certain like contexts. Totally, and not understanding the depth of it. Like these things yeah. were like created in like you know oh hundreds hectic you know, times. You yeah. know, and there was like hectic times. Yeah, it really, was very hectic. You know, like there was like one of the. Um, you know, um, paintings that I saw, it was like, was like one of the first like black women to ever be painted Mm. like properly or like something like that. Look, I I don't quote me on that, but it was something along those lines. Um, and that's like, whoa, that's history. That's insane. That's really amazing. Um, and those things I appreciate. And I think maybe, maybe if I went on like a tour or something through the Louvre, that it would have been a different experience for me of like, more explanation on like yeah. what this is and instead of just walking around and looking at paintings. Yeah, yeah. It could be, you know, a fact that just changes your mind. Totally. Like, oh, and also if he didn't finish this, you know, in March 1752, he'd be hung or something. Exactly. Like exactly. The pressure or, you yeah. know, something just like as an example. But um yeah, I I think that the the whole um old master paintings and stuff like that. I think because we get desensitized by seeing a lot of those things um, throughout our life. We don't even realize how many times we've probably seen the Mona Lisa. Yeah. You know? Um, Actually, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And um, that was like the real one. And I was like, yeah. right, there it is. Yeah. And how <laughs> did you feel when you saw it? Um, I felt... I thought it was really cool. I was like, whoa, like, I am right here looking at the real Mona Lisa. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was a very, like- The prestige of it. It was just, no, it was just kind of like a surreal moment of, like, like you were saying, like, I've looked at the Mona Lisa, like, an image of that Mona Lisa how many times in my entire life. Never really thought about it. It's just, like, a renowned painting. Mm. But when you're kind of there and you're like, whoa, this is the real thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of get that with, like, an artist that I'm seeing for the first time that I've wanted to see forever. And you have that surreal moment of, like, I'm here right now. Like, I'm, whoa. Like, can you believe that I'm actually here and I get to see this and soon it will be over? Yeah. And I'll just have this memory of, it's just like this train of thought that kind of happens of a very, like, appreciative moment in time. Yeah. That was cool. So, I did appreciate the Mona Lisa. I did think it was a bit small, 
smaller. <laughs> well, it was because like you have this like whole big like the Mona Lisa like this, yeah. and also all these other paintings that I saw were quite large. Yeah. So I was like, this fucking thing. What she got stitched up, poor Mona Lisa. I'm totally, like, totally. She's little. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> they didn't put much paint on her, did yeah. they? You know? Like all of these other ones probably took ten liters, and yeah. she's just you know fifty grams or something. Totally. But it's I think like it's an interesting thing to think about is if another painting in the Louvre was the most famous painting of all time. Yeah. Would you would you be uh, more excited by it? I think I think you can't really help the fact of being excited, even though yeah, the Mona Lisa, right. if you went up to the Mona Lisa and it wasn't the most famous painting in the world, which it undoubtedly is. Um, yeah, you probably wouldn't. I think it's. Stu- I think I would still be like, wow, nice painting. Yeah, you'd still be like, it's pretty good. Yeah, but you're right. I don't did- think that I would be as excited about it. You, I don't think you'd be in awe. Yeah. You, I was also in awe of just like the lines of people like lining up i didn't line up i kind of just like looked at it from afar because i was like i don't know i can still see it pretty cool Mm -hmm. like whatever Mm -hmm. but the lines of people that were waiting for hours on end to just get close to this painting yeah it was so strange to me yeah and that's a build-up of tension as well it's like oh you know like the excitement and and all that stuff it's when you see people outside the nike store (laughs) Yeah. lining up for the new <laughs> shoes and and it's just like oh i almost feel like i should be doing that whatever they're going to see is going to be really exciting or whatever they're purchasing <laughs> yeah and you kind of get this um just thing of like oh that thing is worth doing or but it's like that whole thing of um like all those people probably cared a whole lot more than me about this painting and mm. all these people lining up for the shoes fucking love shoes like yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like they are shoe for now they're gonna wrap these up and never touch the box you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, you know exactly, <laughs> like exactly, yeah. where i was i just don't have that or I, sell I it online sho- yeah. which i think was- <laughs> i would just put the shoes on and like go about my day and never understand their worth and mm. just be like i like these shoes i'm gonna wear them yeah i get you i get you and it's like all attached value you know unless it, they're like six thousand exactly but and it's like a record like buying this like limited pressing record and it's just like why would I never open this yeah unless I'm planning on like selling it in all these years time or whatever and getting a million dollars for it fuck yeah I'll never touch it ever yeah but what's the point in having this thing if you're never going to use it it's just going to like collect dust Mm -hmm. once again though I'm not a collector. Like, I am. Neither. I'm a coin collector, actually. Oh, do you? Dude, no <laughs> do way. you? Yes. No way. I've never met another coin collector. That's like, so crazy. Look, I used to be a lot more, like, strongly felt about it. When yep. I was younger, I'd be like, all those little new coins that you'd find, I'd be like, yeah, this is really cool. I'm, like, going to yep. keep this. Um, and I when just- you'd get, like, the new 20 cent coin or... Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then I kind of stopped because I was like, why am I doing this? Like, this is just... But recently, I found, like, the 20... Also, because the queen died, it's like this whole, you know... We must go see what the uh, the queen coin. The, well, like, yeah, I want yeah. all of them. Yeah. I want all these queen coins because they're gonna like g- get rid of them, and there's gonna be no queen coins left. What the fuck? That's true. You know, that's so true. I was, went into this. Yeah, so she process. gets replaced on the coins. Definitely. I didn't even think about it. Yes. Yeah, so even like think now, I want every single coin that yeah. we had, so that when she gets replaced. I've got. Mm. I'm going to remember. Like this is the queen coin, and I'm going to get to show my kids maybe one day. Look, look That's at this true. different coin. And because yeah. when I was a kid, my grandpa showed me this like round fifty cent coin that I have, and I was like, "What the fuck? It's round, you know? It's just like this yeah. whole." I remember. Yeah, I think I've got. I've, I might have a round fifty cent coin. You know what? What's your prize one? What's your prize? Oh, definitely coin. the round fifty cent. It's coin. the round fifty. But cent. But that's only because my my grandpa like he kept it for so long. And was like, you can have it. And I yeah. was like, wow. So, your granddad you. gave you the collection? Yeah. Well, he gave me the coin. Yeah. Um, I was like, I think he just gave me a few. And he, they gave me like a few of like the dollar bills as well. Oh, yeah? From like when oh, they were- old Australi- Is it Australian dollar yeah, bills? Yeah, old Australian okay. dollar bills. Wow. And okay. they I didn't know that. And they gave me thing. like some old 
because um, they're not from Australia, so they're from Greece and Italy, and they gave me, I think it was lira at the time. Okay. And now it's euro. So, like, before it even became oh, okay. euro, they have, like, the coins. Lira was the Greek one? I think so. Or I think so. A couple of countries? Maybe. I'm not too- It might have been both con- It might have been Greece and Italy that it was. And Italy. Okay. Um, I could be wrong. But uh, I have some of them, too. I can't remember. I think it was Florence in Italy- Maybe. Mm, yeah. But maybe they did transfer to Lyra. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I don't know, I, but I have those as well. Yeah. So, like, they That's gave amazing. me a few, like, amazing. little ones that they were like, okay, she's into collecting coins, and they didn't really, like, have any sentimental value to them. So, they're we like, should, here you go. We should come back and do this podcast again with our coin collection. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I feel like you've got a better collection than me, though. What's your, oh. like, most prized coin? Mine, um, so firstly, I kind of had a similar thing to you where I was just like, ah, I'm going to give this up. Yeah. And I tried to spend a $5 coin as just like, because I had given up. Yeah. And we used to have $5 coins in Australia. Whoa. And, um, and they're big. They're like that big. Do you have something one? For the people at home. <laughs> um, I have one in my collection and Sick. it was like, I think there's a law. That any coin ever made in Australia is legal tender until the end of time. Whoa. Basically. Like, it doesn't become redundant once it's printed. Yeah. And so, I went to this um, milk bar (laughs) (laughs) and I was trying to get a Coke with my $5 coin, which is, you know, now I'm horrified at the thought of doing that at all, you know. Um, It's probably worth a lot more than $5. Not a whole lot more, but probably definitely worth a little bit more than $5. Yeah, I don't know how Probably about $7. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe, you know, now the Queen has passed, maybe I should go and make that deal. Exactly. Um, But, yeah, the guy wouldn't take it. Whoa. He just said, you're pulling my leg, like, you know, what is this? And, um, And then, yeah, didn't let me spend it, luckily, and I put it back in my collection. But um, also, I'm not sure if you went to the Mint, the Canberra Mint. I did. I have been to the Canberra Mint. Okay. In year six. Yep. Did you buy a coin? Because you know how those collector's <sighs> I don't editions- know. If- I actually think I did. It could be in my collection somewhere. I okay. don't actually remember. Or may- I- maybe I have this thought of why are these people spending $5 on this one little <laughs> coin? I think that could have also been me. I can't yep. really remember, but- I think there was a machine where you paid $2 to get a $1 coin. Or That's what it was. That's what it was. I don't think I did it, to be honest. I the was mint. in grade six and I was like, you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's such a good business. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I bought a coin for Genius. my mum- and uh, it was it was one of the like centennial uh, celebration ones, and my mum opened up the case. She went from the wrong direction, and she tried to crack it open with scissors, and she just sl- literally put a slice through my coin. And I was I remember um, I remember being so shattered. Um, a slice that, through the coin. Yeah, this I must coin have been. Very yeah, well it wasn't made. very good quality. Um, Canberra Mint, yeah. get your act right, you know. Um, oh, oh my god! They they control the lights. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they've just pulled. <laughs> they've just pulled our electricity. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, that was you know an interesting trip though. Don't know why we went there as kids to learn about. We would like to take a short break to thank our sponsors, Bodrigi Brewing. We all know how much I love a sour here at Beers and Tears, and with Bodrigi's hazy and tangy fuzzy dance explosion, we can all have a boogie. A soured tropical ale dances across the palate bursting with candied mango and pineapple tones, while a subtle yeast funk provides the baseline. We consider it the all-rounder good time sour, so celebrate those spring days with a fuzzy dance. Okay, so you released a song earlier this year, Yellowstone. Oh, yeah, I do music. Yes, you do music. <laughs> um, tell me about the like process of this song. Also, there's a bit of banjo in Do you play banjo? I do play banjo. Cool. Yeah. When did you learn how to play banjo? Uh, I actually can't take credit for learning. I, I learnt guitar and I play a six string. So, if um, if anyone uh, knows anything about banjo it's or doesn't know, there's a five string banjo and there's a six string banjo. And the six string banjo actually doesn't require any extra learning if you learn guitar. Really? Yeah. So, it's just like a, you just play it like a guitar. Exactly. It's got the six strings, E, A, D, G, B, E. It's exactly the same as a guitar. And then, um, so I just, I already play fingerstyle. So the the transfer of skills were 
kind of already immediate. Oh my god, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, this because is I thought about very it. Very lucky for me. I didn't know that there were six string banjos because mm. I bought a banjo randomly once. It was like, <laughs> as we all do. Yeah, it was like a, I was like I'm gonna learn how to play the banjo. Yeah, and then to be fair, I haven't put a lot of effort into it. Kind of like pick it up every now and then and play some things. Have a bash. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I just don't really think about it. And it sounds awful, um, but. That just is great news to me. Mm, <laughs> you yeah, go and get a six, sell my five string for a six string. And Absolutely, call yeah, it a do day. a trade because I think there's um there's actually we're in Brunswick right now. There's a couple of people who sell banjos around here, six strings. So they're just like little banjo sellers. <laughs> yep, and just the side streets, the back streets. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. You learn something here every day. Such a Brunswick thing to do. So Brunswick. It's like side banjo hustle. Exactly. Yeah. Genius. Go down the cobblestones, get a bagel, have a banjo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, so you didn't you learned how to play guitar and then just picked up a banjo. Yeah. Um, I rented one. So for this al uh album Mm -hmm. so i've got an album coming out next year yeah um i i decided to produce it on myself and uh getting a banjo was just something that uh, an element that had to be on a couple of songs a few songs actually so i ended up playing it on yeah like two singles and and another song that's going to be on the album um but yeah it was just a really cool element that i'd never needed or, or had the opportunity to add to anything. Have you always been a banjo lover? Not always. Not always. I think um, I developed a love for it after watching Oh Brother Where Art Thou. I've never seen. That's so Coen Brothers made that, okay. who are my favorite directors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got really into Ralph Stanley and uh, Steve Martin, who's a comedian but plays the banjo. He's an incredible player. Um, and I've always thought, you know, it was annoying and had a lot of, well, not. Before I started liking it, obviously, I thought it was annoying. And I think a lot of people have this whole thing of, ah, it's a bit cheesy and twangy and, and, you know, but there's, I think there's a lot of beautiful things about it. Um, It's, you know, it's resonant, but it only resonates for a certain amount of time, a short amount of time. And it has this certain charm to it um, that once you start listening to more, uh, folk, bluegrass, um, country stuff. You can really, really get start to get into it. Totally. Um, yeah. It has a very um, fun element. I feel like yeah. when you're going, especially like in a live environment, like mm. if you're at a gig and someone is playing the banjo, you definitely just want to get around it. Yeah. Maybe that's just my... That's not everyone. It's fun. Yeah, it can be like a very... Um, yeah, like it's, I think, one of the genres that come to mind are like... Um, hoedown or like you know yeah, that sort of yeah. music, it's like, like dun, 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 yeah, totally. and everyone starts yeah, boot scooting, dancing, and yeah, and so yeah, it's like a boot can be- scooting. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I say it way too often, and it's just like the weirdest way because it's just boot scooting is just such a way of like that is exactly the description of of that feeling what it causes like yeah. like, like knee slapping in- banjo incites boot scooting but totally. we don't quite know what that is <laughs> yeah but it's just such a weird way to describe anything really and it's not australian it's like real southern that's boot- deep south yeah 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 it's true it's true but it's um funnily enough uh it's not something that i would use on my music uh yeah, as I said, like I, I didn't have a reason to use it until I brought out country music. Mm. Um, but the thing is, and the kind of confusing thing uh, is going to be maybe for my listeners, is that I'm not really a country artist at all. I was going to ask you that. Um, and but I sing and write whatever comes to me, and that's kind of that's the reason why I. Um, so my album that's coming out is really a roller coaster of so many different um so many different genres mm-hmm. that it's not it's I I can't really I can't put a definitive genre on, on it at yeah. all. Um which I really like. I and I'm really happy and and excited to see how people take it. Yeah. Um because it's it's definitely um it is not purposeful uh that I write like that. It's just 
what comes out of me and I can't help it. It's yeah. just, um, yeah. And I, and I really enjoy that as a musician, being able to kind of have freedom and cr- creativity um, be unbounded by genre. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that you listen to music that's similar to what you make and that's why it comes out of you? Funnily enough, well, I have listened to all of the genres that, that I've written, but it, I don't listen to that music often at all. Yeah. So, I, I don't know why exactly I write how I do, but um, I, I think that there's there's a aspect of just I, I play guitar and things that come to me just lead places. Uh, yeah. And it's not- it's not like what I listen to is directly affecting exactly what I write. Um, it's very hard to explain. No, no, no. You're making you're making sense. Okay. Good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I think it's making sense to me. Okay, good. Um, okay, yeah, cool. And so, yeah, well, you have a new song coming out. Yep. Called Rigged Games. Yep. Let's go through, like, the process of this track, how it came to be. You mentioned that you've, like, pro- produced this whole album. Yep. Um, so this song uh, is about a breakup and a, a whirlwind relationship that happened um, when I was 22, and uh, it was. I can tell you a brief sort of uh, backline of the story, but uh, a girl that I met at a open mic night in Brunswick, actually at the Cornish yeah. Arms, which is around the corner. Um, we we met. She's a she was a singer songwriter. And I was I was performing at the open mic night, and she came on right after me, and um, and basically started our relationship with this just incredible song. And we both like kind of had a crush on each other immediately from yeah. what what we were playing, and I really just resonated with her her lyrics and stuff. Um, but at at that time, I was very depressed and kind of closed off to relationships and I just felt like I wasn't going to make anyone happy and so just shut yourself off and don't even bother being in a relationship right and so we started this incredibly quick uh whirlwind she moved in with me immediately whoa um and she she'd just come over from Perth true um so yeah we were living in this in these small quarters with each other and had a very passionate, like, you know, six months and um, everything was going great. And she was giving me a lot of hope for um, my future and stuff like, you know, just kind of making me feel, okay, maybe everything isn't so bad Yeah. Um, for a, a couple months. And, um, and then things really became – she started to reveal herself, you know. There's that whole uh, six-month period, you know. A lot of people have experienced this where the honeymoon peri- moon period goes sometimes for six months, sometimes a few months, you know. Yeah. Um, but I learned pretty quickly that she wasn't all that I thought she was, mm. um, you know. And there's a there's a couple of lines in there, you know, like – how could I feel when I saw beauty in your lies? You know, that, that is the sort of thing where you just want to believe that someone is who you imagined them to be, totally. even when they start showing you who they really are. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of just let it, let it draw out for a long time. And we had a lot of fights and a lot of um, just, you know, negative, um, just animosity um, and it's hard us both being musicians as well because we were both, um, yeah, we, we were doing, well, we were playing a lot around each other and um, I remember one instance I had won a songwriting award for Apollo Bay and I remember her saying something really mean afterwards because she mm. was in it, she was in it as well and um, instead of celebrating together, it was kind of like, well... Your song wasn't as good as my song, and yeah, and it was just—I just remember being so heart wrenched and so like broken after that, and um, 
yeah, but we went on for a long time and, and tensions sort of built up and, um, you know, all of this hope that had come to me kind of went out the window. Yeah. Um, and, but I didn't want to give it up even though it was a sinking ship already. So yeah, that's what, kind of what it's about. Rigged games. <laughs> Indeed. Pretty much. It's a very interesting, um, thing kind of like when you enter relationships like where you are in your life because it's like that whole dependence thing or like even the whole like what it rose colored glasses kind of thing of you create this like image of someone I'm such a su- I do this I it's like I'm such a sucker for it like creating this like it's almost putting someone like on a pedestal of like you've created this beautiful image of someone I, th- I think it's just hoping just that it'll be as good as you expected. But why? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Well, I think, <laughs> I think you know, the older you get, the more willing you are to pull the plug on things if there's red flags. Because you go through these relationships that fail and maybe you had like, you know, about 50 red flags the first time. And yeah. You just ignored all of them and then- you know, the older you get, I think it's like, okay, all right, now I can see the red flags and kind of act on them a bit better mm. um, and and or work out if they are really red flags and talk about it and be mature and kind of go through and see what you can do about the situation if there is one, you know. Yeah, and I think, um, I, I think it's like at a fundamental level, you can't be with that person that type of person but you kind of hold hold out hope that they will become what you thought that they were you know it's like all right well if i just hold out and maybe we do some work on this or you know that maybe they're just going through this phase you know you but that's that's the whole thing about like learning <laughs> who people are um and learning about what like why they are who they are yeah um and i think these days for me if i was to step into a relationship it's a long process of getting to know people that i i really i really will uh attempt and and put a lot of effort into doing before we set anything totally in stone well it's like that thing that we were talking about before of like who am i to like think that you will change according to like what I want Mm. in someone. Like I, I don't agree with whatever this person is doing. That's on me. That's not necessarily like they're fully happy living that way and they want to live that way. Why do I think that I can, that they should change just because of this relationship? You know mm. what I mean? Like, mm. there's, I'm sure there is someone out there that's like, we'll be in that together. And like, that will yeah. be- Yeah, and, and that would suit both of them to be totally. to be mean like that. And they don't have to like change for one another or whatever it is. It's just like this- Yeah, yeah. It's it's like an unspoken agreement that that's fine. And you can, you yeah. both are okay with that. Yeah. yeah. In saying that, I do believe in like- change obviously yeah. I, I believe in change <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing that's yeah good. but like changing like you learn from people and you realize things within yourself that you're like actually you know what i do want to change that within me and it's not for that person it's like yeah. you're coming to a realization of okay that's like a better way of living or something yeah. like that that's how i want to live my life mm. so, helping people reflect on how they are and yeah for sure mm. There you go. <laughs> relationship advice. This is turned into a, a full-on relationship advice show. I like. I love talking about this stuff so much. It's very. It's just interesting. Mm, there's a lot of complexities to it. Yeah, always. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like this could. Uh, are you in the same? We're in the same category as like Esther Perel now. I feel yeah. like we're in this couple's sort of uh, advice uh, thing, which is, by the way, have you have you listened to that podcast? No. So Esther Perel's a, she's a French relationship counselor, and she yeah. um, she has very interesting uh, couples on her show. One of which uh, was a woman and a man who who had these role play scenarios, and um, one of the role play characters of the man was this french character and 
he was American. They were both American. And she fell in love with the French character. Whoa. And they both went to Esther Perel and went, you know, uh, well, she's in love with, <laughs> I don't, I can't remember his name. <laughs> I'm not going to make up a generic French name. Uh, but Francois. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Esther was like, well, how about you just play that character? And do you mind if she's just like in love with that uh, guy? And, you know, would you be fine with that? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's pretty hard. That's um, really, really intense. Yeah, it's so intense. And and so people, even professional, th- this is what I was getting at, was even professional um, like relationship counselors, they might have answers that are so difficult to take on board mm. that, you know, they might be, the optimal quote unquote answer for, for that party to be happy. Um, but it's so you, you just have to be able to go within yourself and go, all right, is this something that, you know, what can I do? (laughs) What could I actually give away? Or like, what could, what energy could I put into like figuring out my relationship complexities or like putting my boundaries across? Um, could I completely act like a Frenchman all the time to yeah. make someone love me if I if I want them to be happy? And that, is that all I care about? You know, like, anyway, I just find love such a funny thing. It is. Anyway, <laughs> you've got an album coming out. Yeah, I've got an album. Um, the album is called Spiral Bound. Yes. It's, uh, I'm just working with my sixth producer Whoa. on the album. So I started recording it in a closet in uh, lockdown in Melbourne. And then I went with a a gaming producer. He makes video game music and soundtrack music. Wow. And that was fantastic. Um, But we didn't really work too cohesively together. Um, I think he was kind of – my ideas sounded a little bit too out there for him on some of the things. Right. Uh, And then – yeah, I, I've worked with yeah four other five other producers um, up to this point. So finally getting finished uh, in like let's hope a month or two. Cool. Um, to the point of all the recording being finished, and yeah. then I'm looking for a mixer and master. So that's another process. Cool. I'm and looking forward to it. Yeah. And how many songs are there on the album? I think there's. We're going to finish with ten. Cool. Yeah, ten or eleven. I've got a sneaky couple songs that I'm just about to finish. So I hope I can fit them on. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. It's already, I'm fi- I'm fine with it as it is. I'm, I'm ecstatic with it, actually. Is there a concept to it? Is there like a general vibe? Yeah, uh, I think the general vibe is just, <laughs> it's all about, um, you know, some form of, of story of my changing of emotions throughout time. And Spiral Bound was... Influenced by, um, you know, the fact that we are always in inwards, upwards and downwards spirals in life. Inwards and outwards being closer and more attached to life and outwards being more apathetic and completely detached from life. Mm. Um, And upwards obviously being, you know, towards the happier spectrum and downwards being more towards the depressed, sad spectrum. Yeah. And um, the idea really came from my... I've been writing for 16 years. So I've been um, writing since I was a teenager, 15 or so. And um, all of my songs that have been in my notebook, spiral bound notebook um, have been sort of gathering and like coming towards who I am today, obviously. And um, I, I think it's just a collection of who I've been throughout 16 years so it's really it's a it's a jaunt through my my history of of being an adult. Yeah, um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, do you it's feel cool. like ten songs is enough to fully be like this is the experience? Like, how have you narrowed it down to these ten songs and been like, this is what that experience is. This is what Spiral Bound is. Um. Well. I think it's just these songs are the uh, milestones 
Like they're very much attached to certain um, points in my life where I've discovered things about myself. Um, And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of material, you know, in in that time that I've written that um, it's been – there's been sort of little discoveries. And I think these are the more – the the milestone points, yeah, where it's been okay. This was me at this age. This was me at this age, and and um, yeah, people people will kind of see that I'm a very um, I, I struggle to describe things about myself, but I'm a very like strange individual. <laughs> um, like I've I've got a song on there called Stranger to Me, and it's kind of um. It just talks about like me being a stranger to myself, but also my ability to be able to just like meet other strangers and connect with them on that strange level of yeah. us not knowing who we are. Um, and this was maybe written when I was about 23. And, um, you know, it's, I think, a confusing a time where we're piecing our lives together, you know, around that time, a lot of people. Um, and so, yeah, there's like kind of this faint uh, thread of, is, does this guy know who he is yet? Yeah. Or, you know, um, and the the answer, I, unknown. You're going to have to listen to the album. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like a forever. Like, it could be a forever question. Yeah. You, you know who you are today. But tomorrow you wake up a different person and it's like every day you have to kind of like, you don't have to, every day you have a choice to kind of learn who you are in that day or like who you're becoming or what you like, you know, who I was when I was, I'm 10 is definitely not who I am today. Yeah, absolutely. I would hope not. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like who you were when you were 23, when you like kind of think that you've worked it out or you're working it out. Is definitely not like what you are now, yeah. or who you are now. Yeah. And it's it's difficult for me to to say that because we all want to think we have our lives completely together. Totally. And uh, and you know, so it's hard to admit, you know, that you can be uh, a little bit lost within yourself or, or whatever. But I think it's normal. I think yeah. it's completely. It is completely normal to to feel like you know who am I and and you're still trying to understand yourself. If you are doing that actively, I think it's a great thing trying to understand because again, it kind of touches back to like, you know, you can do things then like create your boundaries. Mm. Like this is who, this is what I believe um, is, is would be good for me and stuff. And you can only do that if you're kind of keeping in touch with how you feel and who you are in the, at the time. Yeah. Cause people do change all the time. Totally. That's part of the thing I hope that listeners get from listening to the album is just, you know, you can feel comfortable in that feeling of, of, um, I can be open to change and shifting, you know, who I am. Um, yeah. And just, just going through the process of, of being fine with it, mm. knowing that you can become something, uh, you know, that, that is more flexible than yeah. maybe you are now. You're not saying anything about anyone in particular yeah. or any demographic, but. Cool. And are you playing some shows? We will be playing shows, me and my band. Yeah. Um, so we're doing a show up in Canberra. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> going to the Mint, back to the Mint. Uh, and we're going to do a show there called Floriard Night Fest. Cool. Which is a, a flower show, actually. It's a big flower show there. That's really cool. Um, and I think 50,000 people go through the, the gates each year. Um, so that should be uh, population-wise or crowd-wise our biggest show ever. Wow. My, my biggest show of crowd-wise. In Canberra. Who In Canberra. I know. And, um, and the way that I got that is I busked at the National Folk Festival in Canberra. And someone came up to me and, and went, um, we'd love to fly your band up to Canberra to play. How, how would you feel? And we just, I just was overjoyed and just said, yes, please. Cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's very exciting. Uh, and apart from that, we're putting on a single release um, for Rigged Games, which is coming out uh, in a month's time. So we're still looking for a venue, but most likely it's going to be somewhere in Brunswick, Thornbury, Northcote, 
area, yeah. um, which is where I live uh, in Darabin. And um, so, yeah, if anyone wants to get on to us about that, please feel free. Um, and the album is coming out next year, uh, but I think it'll be around March or April um, because I'm traveling over to Kansas for the Folk Alliance International, which is Whoa. super exciting. Um, Kansas. Kansas, yeah. Who would have thought? Wizard of Oz vibe. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, um, I've been like, do, do people, you know, just is that all they bring up when people bring up Kansas? I Toto so. and like yeah. we're not well, in Kansas what else anymore. Is going, I don't really know too much else about Kansas. I don't know anything about Kansas it's really. It's just Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Not in Kansas yeah. anymore. Uh, well, yeah. They weren't even in Kansas. Anymore. No, they weren't there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first two minutes of the, the movie they were in Kansas. Yeah. Um, all we know is there's a shack there cool. <laughs> and a bed. Yeah, beautiful. Um, no, uh, but. The Folk Alliance International, I think, headquarters is in Kansas, and people from all around the world travel to the show uh, once a year to do um, like showcasing. Uh, so you have a hotel which is about uh, three hundred rooms, and there's music in each room all at once. So Whoa. yeah, it's it's pretty. We we went to Big Sound, you and me. Yeah. Um, and we saw how the showcases are. It's like pretty hectic. There's a lot going on. People are flying from one thing to another to another and leaving the shows halfway through and that sort of thing. Um, and that's going to be just emulated on a in, in a hotel situation. So, wow. like going through that door, how are these people? So, I'm, a, I'm pretty nervous that's about that. That's really cool though. It's a it's, cool it's setup. A great. It's a great opportunity. Um, and... I think that uh, it it will be, yeah, interesting to see how how it happens, how it works there. Yeah, because um, I'd love to, yeah, I I'd love to make a good showing there. Um, just because I don't, I've never played in America besides busking. Mm-hmm. I used to busk in New York and and Portland and Seattle. Uh, busked outside the first ever Starbucks. Fun fact. Um, Whoa. In Seattle. <laughs> Um, claim to fame but uh yeah it, it's just my first shows there as Ernest Ains um and so I would love to to do well but I think um it's gonna be nerve-wracking I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very nervous yeah. we'll see how we go it'll be fine <laughs> thank <laughs> you <laughs> I don't know I feel like that the whole hotel setup sounds quite calming yeah and it's I I think um one thing I discovered two years ago was, and I actually, this made me really emotional when I found out, was um, that I am part of the folk community. Um, and because I'm a singer-songwriter and I love folk, and the the people that I saw going to these events, um, you know, part of the folk, people, people who are part of the folk community, just immediately struck me as my people. Mm. And... And made me feel really, um, really warm and really uh, excited to meet them all because there are so many um, people who kind of have a daily rhythm um, like me and who who think the world of storytelling and think the world of of folk music and um, connecting with with guitar and and vocals and. Yeah, I don't know. It just made me really emotional. Yeah. And uh and I yeah, I just love that I'm part of that. It's just like that like-minded individual sort of thing of like meeting someone and you're like, "Whoa." Yeah. We, we all geek out is, about this. <laughs> yeah, it's just like this feeling of oneness. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really nice. And it's a beautiful community. Um, you know, those like lots of folkies that live internationally live on like little farms and on little molehills and you know england and it's just it's a really heartwarming and uh like a really enriching community you know i've been part of it online now for for those two years and um help facilitated facilitate things for artists on folk alliances um zoom calls and stuff so we all get together and and just chat and just talk about folk and about stories and stuff it's really good yeah cool yeah oh i love that yeah there you go well thank you so much for coming here today (laughs) thank you thank you for making me a coffee and making me feel 
very at home. So. Oh, that's all right. I usually cheers. Cheers. Uh, we've cheers coffee twice today. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> and by the way, I wanted to add a little plug for um, Continental Grocery Store. Can okay. I do that? Yeah, of course. So there's a little hidden cafe on Sydney Road. If you go to Continental Groceries, um, it's next to the pasta section. If you go in through the door there, you can get a $2.50 coffee. And it's great and such a great environment. And people don't know about it. And I think they should. They should oh, my there gosh. There you go. Inside scoop. Inside scoop. Melburnians, yeah. Nam-based humans. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yep. That's awesome. Thanks for that. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks.